You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and with me, I've got David Weiss. We are both rabid Florida State fans who, well, we come to you each and every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on Saturday. We try to bring you things to look forward to, things that we take away from these games. And I'll be honest, it's it's getting very difficult right now. But that being said, David, buddy, how are you? Hey, we're all, we're all just the best friends here. So, uh, football can't bring us down. I wish that were true, man. I wish that were true. So (laughs) I want to dive in with a, with a quick stat because yesterday we did our mailbag Monday and I told a listener that I would answer his question of, is this the most rapid fall from grace in college football history? I look back 31 years, well, 30, I guess, because this year is still happening. And I looked at, all 30 national champions. And I looked at what their records were in the eight years following their most recent national championship. But unfortunately the answer is yes, it probably is the most rapid, but not the most complete fall from grace in college football history. The teams that are closest are Auburn in 2010, Colorado in 1990. Uh, They won 69 games. Nice. nice. In the eight years following their championship, Tennessee won 70, Miami in a, after a one won 69. So what that means is that Florida State would have to win 10 games this year to catch Auburn. They would have to pull off 15 wins to catch Colorado or Miami. And they'd somehow have to win 16 games to catch Tennessee to make this not the worst eight years following a national championship in the last 30 years of college football. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes is right. So folks, we're going to stop saying the phrase rock bottom. We promised that yesterday, but just so you know, you have every right to be pissed off. I think I combat that a lot and fight against it of don't come on our show just for some validation that you're allowed to be angry, but I'll give it to you today. You're allowed to be as mad as you want because this is unacceptable. I'm mad. while we were doing this exercise, I thought through, okay, Tennessee's got to be worse. Didn't they fall off and you read it? It's like, oh, well, not quite. Okay, Miami, they really fell. Okay, Texas really fell off. And you're like, no, no, no team has gotten to this low of a depth in the eight years following a national championship. So we're going to do our look ahead to Louisville game before we bring on our guests for our Know Your Foe segment later in the week. But we're going to look at it, just us Florida State fans. David, I know you spent quite some time compiling stats and things of that nature today. So why don't we dive in? What sticks out the most to you about this matchup just on the top level? What sticks out most to me is me and Drake don't like Louisville. We don't like Satterfield. We don't like their quarterback, Malik Cunningham. Drake would hate listening to this. He didn't like hearing it this morning, but they're good on offense. They're damn good on offense, like top 25-ish level. And Malik Cunningham is when you watch him comes across a lot less impressive than his statistics say he's number 11 nationally 
in plays on which he has a non-zero expected point contribution, meaning he adds value to, to plays the 11th most of any quarterback in the country. So what, what is that? Is that like, is that like strokes gained in golf? It's just kind of a amorphous metric of the value you added based on what should have been expected from an average player. I, I think what it's saying is that he's not hurting his team with, with most plays. He's, he's one of the best at helping rather than hurting his team on a play by play basis. What's frustrating is he's the number four quarterback in the country in clutch weighted points expected through rushes meaning what on earth is that i i know it sounds obscure can we, but can we, where, where are these stats coming from like sorry i know we got some stat heads that listen but is this is this from like a real place or is there a guy possibly a guy on the florida state beat making these up in a spreadsheet as he goes along this is this is espn fbi stuff he's good at uh clutch runs when it matters and you know, Florida State has never had a problem with quarterbacks running the ball and getting first downs, especially in important situations. I can't remember that ever being a problem. We have struggled on defense, to put it nicely. And this is a top 25-ish offense with a quarterback that uh, is not going to cost Louisville. And he's going to probably have some really aggravating long runs against us on third and name a down name a distance so basically your your high level take is that malik cunningham will be a bit of a mismatch yeah okay that's all right and look i think that there are some positives here louisville is nine of 12 allowing touchdowns in the red zone they are 11 of 12 allowing scores in the red zone they are really really bad in the red zone in fact they are four for four 100 of the time an opponent goes for it on fourth down in the red zone against Louisville. They get it. That's what I initially saw. Cause this team has struggled in the red zone. And I think that going against the team that struggles defensively against offenses in the red zone probably is something that we'll be able to exploit. Now, I think we need to go from our high level takes and dive into what we should expect when Florida state has the ball. And then what we should expect when Louisville has the ball but we, before we do that, I want to shift focus away from Florida State and give the people their betonline.ag line of the day. So yes. maybe we can make them some money and they won't be as depressed on Saturday. Do you have one in mind or do you want me to feed you one? Oh, Max. Oh, I have one in mind. Ooh, I like it when you come prepared. Okay. Notre Dame uh, getting points against Wisconsin. I know Notre Dame hasn't looked great so far this season. I think people are starting to think more like the FSU performance was probably more of a fluke. But you know who's worse than Notre Dame? Wisconsin. Wisconsin is always worse than Notre Dame and pretty much just everyone. I feel like we could probably beat Wisconsin. They're not good at football. Give me Notre Dame plus any amount of points you want to give. Hey, I love it. Notre Dame, take the points and run. That's your betonline.ag line of the day, folks. Make sure that you go to betonline.ag. Make your account with promo code locked on so you get a welcome bonus and get some free money to up your bet on the bet we tell you to take. And you make a little extra. Your Saturday's a little better, regardless of what the Seminoles are doing. Well, let's talk about when Louisville has the ball. I think we have enough problems on offense. So let's do defense because maybe that'll, maybe that's where we have some hope. I mean, I know their offense has been pretty bad for the last several years. 
Louisville comes into this game two and one, but they beat UCF on frankly, a complete fluke. That was the, what was it like a weird interception that they returned for a touchdown with time expiring. It was like a linebacker who did it very bizarre game. I don't know. I, I don't want to blow smoke and be like, yeah, we can beat this team, but we could beat this team. Dave, I know you very much don't think so though. So what, when they have the ball makes you think there's no way we win this game. Yeah. The scariest thing to me, probably more so than anything I already said is that they're only sacked one and a half times a game, a little over 3% of their dropbacks. And that obviously contrasts against our much improved pass rush, Jermaine Johnson tied for the lead in the country in sacks. But if we can't get pressure on them, which they've done a good job of not allowing this year, our DBs are going to get absolutely shredded. And you saw a little bit, really the only shakeup on the depth chart was Jay and Dent, you know, getting either their oars removed or bumped down. I, I don't think we have any idea who the hell we can trust in the secondary. And we already know the linebackers have got gash all year in the passing game. And again, we not only have to worry about the pass, but also a quarterback who can take off when there's nothing open whenever that decides to happen from our defense. Yeah, so if you weren't following earlier, the obscure stat Dave read, that's essentially what that means. If we don't bring yeah. him down the backfield and it's a clutch situation, he's going to make you pay with his legs. And that worries yeah, me because right. this D line has proven they can sack the quarterback aggressively and frequently. Yep. But if they don't get him down, you've got a guy that can run and you have linebackers that frankly are no good at covering and certainly aren't good for watching for the run as they're covering. And yeah, that's, that's extremely worrisome. What I will say is you look at the teams that they've played so far and I don't think one point, whatever, what'd you say? 1.3, one and a half sacks a game, one and a half sacks a game translates to our team. I think we do have a much better defensive line than they face yet. And I think that that number is definitely going to get bumped up on Saturday because there's no way against this D line who is the only highly productive unit on this team. A team like Louisville is going to hold them to one and a half sacks. It's just not going to happen. They also give the ball away quite a bit. I think when we looked it up, they were what in the eighties in the country with giveaways per game. So they were, they do avoid sacks quite a bit. Where are we? I see that smile. Yeah. Uh, we just Max, had six turnovers in one game. Here's the thing. There's a hundred, there's 130 qualifying teams. Want to guess where we're ranked? Probably like 125th, but we just had a six game. Okay. But here's the thing. And this is why this podcast, not that I don't love the stat heavy ones out there, but this is why we do try to give you all the qualitative with the quantitative. We're three games in. Every team at this point has played a very different schedule. I know I sound like an apologist here, but I don't really care. Any other sport plays multi-game series and like, you don't always, it's not always a one point game either way. You'll have baseball series where one team will go win eight zero. And then the next night they'll lose six, two. I understand there's some differences with football, but this team's a lot like a baseball team. And we don't necessarily know who's going to be on the mound. We don't necessarily know who's going to be healthy in the trenches. So I think our team is probably one of the worst teams to be trying to use statistics to project right now, just because there are so many variables within our personnel, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but you could say that for any stat then through three games, right? I mean, we're doing our best with what we got. It's a small sample, but. Sure. And I'm not saying we shouldn't use stats. I'm just saying like, I'm, I'm letting the listeners know, Hey, the, yeah. the, it's not math. Like there's a reason there hasn't ever been a mathematical formula 
that can predict the outcome of a football game accurately across a large sample size. Whereas there are mathematical formulas that can accurately predict the size and the mass of black holes. Which one of those things sounds like it should be harder? Yeah, Yet right. Math can do one of them, can't do the other. There's never been an algorithm that can accurately get someone to, I think, above like a 58, 59% against the spread winning percentage. Like that is what professional gamblers get to. And that's where they make their money is on those margins. So I think stats are great. I think it's important to look at it. It can help us kind of gauge what's going to happen, but we shouldn't act like they're this all predictive thing. And because, you know, we haven't been good at this and they've been good at that, that, that definitely means we can't improve. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being overly hopeful. And if you find yourself being overly hopeful like me, you should go to prize picks because prize picks is a place where hope can flourish. You basically draft a team of two to five players. You pick over under totals for each of them. You put a little money in the pot. And if your team wins, you win. So go to prizepicks.com or go get it in the app store. Just search prize picks in the Google play or Apple app store. Download it. When you sign up, use promo code locked on. And if all that picking works up an appetite, well, grab yourself a built bar. I know Dave had a built bar today. Actually, when we hopped on to record, he had one right in his hand. Dave, what flavor did you go with, bud? Max, I got a cookie dough chunk here. And I will report to you, this actually is substantially better than any protein bar I've ever had. It, it really does taste like, you know, like you can enjoy a Snickers, like you can't enjoy a Metrix bar. This. I always enjoy a Snickers. Of course. This actually tastes like something you would want to eat just while you're in the middle of a round of golf or something. Fantastic. Love it, man. So if y'all want to be like Dave and you want to get your, your fix, but also have some protein with it and some low carbs and low sugar, go to builtbar.com, promo code locked 15, L O C K E D one five, get yourself 15% off. Try it now. Thank us later. But yeah, man, let's flip over to when we have the ball and folks, again, don't take that as me subtweeting at or taking shots at people that use stats because we will use them. I'm just letting you know. They're not the end all be all. So even though I'm going to use them, doesn't mean like, oh my gosh, statistically, they're probably better than us at this. So there's no way we'll improve. I would highly doubt we're going to have six turnovers this game. So that's a stat. And that's how we got on that tangent, Dave. I think yeah. should level out across the sample size of a 12 game season. And that was going to be kind of my first point when we have the ball. I would look for that number of giveaways to be drastically reduced. I also would look at something I mentioned last night. I'd look for penalties to be substantially reduced. You know, it's funny. We heard today the team had referees at practice, which I'm very curious why the heck it took three weeks of the (laughs) performance we've seen to, to get a referee to practice. Like I would have thought they would have had referees at every practice, but I guess that's good to know. And I look at last week with the penalties. Look, we were not that heavily penalized last week. Every bot on the beat has said it. Everyone writing about it said it. Holly said it. Stacy said it. 30 yards of our penalties were absolutely atrocious calls. One, the ref was not where he should have been to make a call. It wasn't an unnecessary roughness out of bounds. All that referee saw was two guys go out of bounds and then fall three steps later. Didn't see that he'd slipped on playing cards or play cards. Sorry. Didn't see that they had the angle they were going out of bounds at. And there really wasn't much he could have done to stop it. And the roughing the kicker again, I'm not going to give that kid the benefit of the doubt. That punter knew exactly what he was doing. He flopped into it. He took that shot. 
I think that was an atrocious call. So you take those away and what did we have? Like 50, 45 yards of penalties? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad when you take those away. And it may make you feel better, may not. We're not one of the worst teams in the country in penalty yards per game. And to make you feel even better than that, we're pretty much tied with Louisville in that category. So this isn't a game where like we're going up against this, you know, well manicured team that just doesn't commit errors. They're just as bad at it as we are. Yeah. And I think that the penalty thing, frankly, is a bit of a, um, a bit of a crutch. We've started to use at this point, right. Of Oh, this team's just so undisciplined. I think they're undisciplined in a lot of aspects, but I don't know if penalties has necessarily been the best indicator. What I'm going to look at is the turnovers. Do we, do we get that smoothed out? I'm also going to look at the short yardage runs. We don't get the success, a high success rate when we only need one or two yards. There's no reason for that with Jay Sean Corbin and Trey Sean Ward. So I'm going to look when we have the ball for, can we lower the giveaways and can we improve in the short yardage situations without having to go to the damn wildcat? Yeah, we're averaging 4.6 yards a carry. And it's it's been curious through the first three games why in a lot of situations we haven't run the ball more and why we haven't run it with the right personnel seemingly. If we're going to win this game, it comes down to two things for me. We're going to have to run the ball a lot and run it effectively, which obviously if any team does that, they're probably going to win. But we're going to have to put an emphasis on the run and we're going to have to put the right guys in at the right times. And that leads into number two. If we have Mackenzie Milton because it looks like Jordan Travis is hurt sitting back there for too long behind this O-line, we have allowed four and a half sacks a game. We're amongst the, the worst teams in the country in sacks allowed. That's not how we can win this game. It, we're going to have to win it by running the ball first and keeping them honest and then throwing the ball off play action or quick passes. If he's sitting back in the pocket, uh, he's going to get killed back there. We saw him yeah, take his big hits last week. He's got to get the ball out of his hands. I mean, we heard all offseason, right? The upside of McKenzie and the reason you don't need Jordan's legs in there is because of the quick release. I haven't seen that at all. Some of that might be the abysmal wide receivers and a wide receiver coach that seems wholly inept at teaching these kids how to get open. Dave, I'd like to build on that. And I think that my two keys to victory are also going to be one. We got to run the ball. Folks, I hammered yesterday into the coaching staff about they've got to start making adjustments based on what they're seeing with their eyes during the game, not based on whatever plan they've concocted beforehand. And they've got to be using the right personnel. Louisville allowed 158 rushing yards from Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. You got a team that allowed 158 rushing yards from Eastern Kentucky. If you do not take Jay Sean Corbin and Trey Sean Ward and just feed them like it's their last supper and they're allowed to have whatever they want from the buffet and you don't let them just go out there and eat, 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 eat. You are doing a disservice to your football team. There is no reason each of them don't get 15 carries because Ole Miss had 39 carries against Louisville. Eastern Kentucky had 38. UCF had 37. I expect fully us to have at least 35 carries. And I'd like to see at least 50% of those go to Jay Sean. Like to see at least 40% of those go to Trey Sean or flip that if one has the hot hand. And then, you know, you can mix in a little Toa Philly, Ja'Kai Douglas, however you want to play that. But those two have proven themselves as your number one and number two back. And they need to be treated as such. 
I'm sick of trying other people out. We are not scrimmaging anymore. Mike Norvell is playing for his job. We are playing for pride and respect and for some attempt to maybe make a shitty bowl game. So cut the crap. No more scrimmaging. No more. Let's see if this works. Give your best backs the ball. And my second key to victory is we've got to improve the first down success rate. You are not a team that's going to win a lot of games. If your average starting yardage on second down is seven or higher, you've got to find a way to get three, three and a half, four yards on first down, or this team will not be successful. So that's, that's, that's my takeaway on that folks. We will have our full know your folk review later in the week with Jacob Lane Friday. I believe he's sitting down with us Thursday night. We will probably also be bringing you our Saturday special Danny's dominoes. And in the meantime, you'll have me and Dave. So guys, thanks for stopping by. I'm Max. That was Dave. And this was locked on Seminoles. Please just win. Yeah, we need to.